Today on Abounding Grace. So you guys, as the nation turns left, and as the nation turns right, goes off track, you've got to know that you believe and why you believe it. You've got to be strong and be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. In gentleness, not murmuring and complaining. That's going to get you nowhere. No doors are open through murmuring and complaining. But through gentleness and love and compassion, doors are wide open. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You How often have we heard it, if not said it ourselves, I can't wait for this COVID crisis to be over. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll start thinking of our trials in a different way. This is our time to shine, and the end is not the trial, but eternity. That's the emphasis of Pastor Ed's message, remember the end is eternity. Before we turn back to 1 Peter, we pay a quick visit to Philippians. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, this is Philippians 2, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God working in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So do things, and again, in the midst of, murm- in the midst of trials and crisis and all the difficulty that's represented in our church right now, in our city, in our state, around our world, this is the word of the Lord. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. It's not characteristic of the believer in a love relationship with Jesus. Do everything without murmuring and complaining. Why? So that you can be blameless, harmless, children of God without fault. Notice, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Why? So that you can shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that same day of inexpressible joy, full of glory. Now Paul's saying, look guys, come with me. Take, come on, stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Get on with being that harmless, gentle, careful, blameless child of God. You, you know, you're in a crooked generation. You're in a twisted generation. Hold fast God's word. Be that light and shine. Because that day of Christ, there's going to, Paul will have that sense, I'm not having run in vain, I haven't labored in vain. Yes, if I'm being poured out, verse 17, as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice. So be glad and rejoice with me. That's the pathway of endurance, is the joy and the gladness comes without complaining, without murmuring, and just shining the light of the gospel. Circumstances, you got to understand in the midst of your trial right now, in the midst of our trial, you, you just got to, in your heart of hearts right now, receive this as unto the Lord and pray over it this week. Things might not change in your life for the better anytime soon. Things may not change for your life and mine anytime soon. That's a reality that we have to embrace. I don't know what God's going to do. 
And I certainly come to my prayer life with hope in the things I'm facing. But I recognize that God may have a different plan for my life than I have. And so at the end of my prayers, when I say in Jesus' name, most of the time I mean it. I mean in your authority, Jesus. I'm praying for your will to be done on earth, not my will in heaven. I'm praying for you to do with me what you desire so things may not get better for you. They might get worse. And there might be more oppression. There might be more persecution. There might be more freedoms taken away. There may be uh, more pain. There may be more suffering. There may be more loss. You have to understand that the hope is not that your trial will go away. Your hope is in the Lord and His goodness. You go, well, Ed, how, what's the foundation for that? There's a lot of biblical foundations in a theology of suffering, but I'll just give you one. Jesus, as our master and our chief shepherd, went all the way to the cross, not halfway. He went all the way to crucifixion, not halfway. He endured the scourging for you and for me. He died arms wide open. And what was he doing on the cross? Not murmuring and not complaining, but ministering to those thieves that deserved to die on either side of him. All the way to the And you go, well, in the human realm, things did not get better for Jesus. But in the spiritual realm, it was perfect timing and the perfect will of God. Circumstances might change. You're finding it impossible to rejoice in the trials. But there's inexpressible joy that's ours. I don't always understand why I go through what I go through. And I certainly don't always stand, understand why you go through what you go through. It breaks my heart to hear the stories that come through our church, especially recently, just, just really heavy, hard. And, and my pastor friends around the country, around the world, they're all seeing the same thing. They're all hearing the same thing. I don't always see how God's working in my life, how he's using it. I don't. I don't always get it. But I go through them, and I live with them, and I'm learning day by day to trust God in them. I'm learning day by day to surrender my life in a new, fresh way, to just face it. Usually, usually the first hit of spiritual warfare, it doesn't hit my dreams. It hits the moment I wake up. The moment I wake up in the morning, my mind is being assaulted spiritually. The moment. Some of you have that same testimony. Just the moment I wake up. Sometimes I don't even, don't even get to turn my head before the spiritual warfare starts as my mind awakens. But I'll tell you, every morning I wake up, God is faithful to meet me there. He hasn't abandoned me, hasn't abandoned you. And there's joy. The end is eternity. The end isn't the trial. The end is eternity. Things might get better. And we say, amen, Lord. That's one of my prayer. Things might get better. The trial might pass. But it might not. Notice in verse 10, back in Peter now. In verse 10 it says, of this salvation, that's you and me, this salvation, the new covenant, abiding in Christ, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them, remember that, we learned that a long time ago, that when the prophets were speaking forth the word or writing the scriptures, the Spirit of God was in them. God was using them. They had a taste of what you and I enjoy. 
he was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Notice, sufferings of Christ, glories that follow. Here's where we have it wrong. We want the glories and no suffering. We want the glories and no suffering. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that glory comes after suffering. The glory of eternity and even the glory of victory. It says in verse 12, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. To those who preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things that even the angels desire to look into. You have a relationship with God that the angels don't even have. And they're just tripping out on you and me that we get to enjoy Jesus like we do. And they don't get that. That's a piece of relationship they weren't created for. Listen, when you face trials, when heavy trials come into your life, you will face doubts. You will have doubts. You'll begin to ask, is this even worth it? Is God real? Is his word true? Is my faith genuine? For these Christians that Peter's writing to, all they needed to do was bow the knee. That's all they needed to do with a pinch of incense. Just bow the knee and say. That's, they didn't even have to believe it in their heart. They didn't even have to go. All they had to do is say outwardly that they're loyal to Caesar. That's all they needed to do. Give some ex- outward expression of loyalty by bowing down to an idol, basically a bust of Caesar, and pinch incense and throw it toward the bust and say, yes, I'm loyal to Caesar. He is my God. He is my king. As they saw their friends tortured and their loved ones dying for their faith, they hear the cries and the wails as they're in line waiting for their opportunity. All they needed to do was one compromise. I mean, after all, what would, what would it, I can still hold my faith into my heart and outwardly comply and pinch incense and bow to Caesar. All it takes was, all it would take was one compromise. And at a time like that, when you're faced with compromise, with the temptation of compromise, you want to know that your faith is real. You want to have that confidence. You want to be able to say, yeah, I know that Jesus Christ died for me, and I'm loyal to him. I'm not loyal to Caesar. And you know, even as in our, in our own day and age, as I see our government, the government of our country, the government of our state, more and more liberties being removed and taken from us as Christians, which again, don't even touch many of the believers around the world, but it's coming. There used to be a day, if you listen to some of the old studies 20 years ago, I'd say, oh, it might come in my generation. I don't know if it'll come in my generation, but it might come in my generation. It has come in my generation, in yours. And more and more and more will be required, perhaps with the threat of death in your life. The threat of death may be the threat of jail. And you too will be where the believers are. And that, I'll tell you what, when you're in the midst of a trial like that, that's when you know whether you believe or not. That's who Peter's writing to. I mean, we really haven't really experienced that yet. The things that, that we're facing are rather minor, more inconvenient than anything. But believers are faced torture and death and beatings all around the world. As I speak. There are underground churches 
in China, there are underground churches in North Korea that are actually praying for us tonight, for our country, for the believers in the United States to wake up to the gospel, to the reality of the power of the gospel that changes lives, like Paul said in, first, in, in Romans chapter 1. They're praying for us. Imagine that. We're praying about taking short-term trips, sending long-term missionaries, Yahoo! And people are praying to send long-term missionaries to us, to our city, to our country. And we say, oh no, Lord. The, I know the harvest is plentiful, but we are going to work on laborers not being few. We're going to be surrendering our lives. And as we see these things happen, there'll be more and more special interest group. There'll be more and more legal action. There'll be more and more things that directly come against the church. You can count on it. Don't worry about maybe it'll come. It's coming. And it may come as a wave. It may come continually as it has been in a little trickle. But just think in the last 10 years how radically the attitude of our culture is toward the church than it was just 10 years ago. To pastors in particular. You know, now when they talk about the most hated people, (laughs) when they do those surveys of the most untrustworthy hated people, and no offense if this is what you do for a living, okay? No offense. Now, uh, technically, when you say no offense, there's no offense, okay? So whenever you precede something, there's no offense. But they say on those lists, used car dealers, lawyers, and now pastors are on that list as untrustworthy charlatans, liars, scammers. That's our culture. That's, that's how they view Christianity. Of course, in a general sense, how do they view Christianity? You guys, you believe in fairy tales, fables. You're not smart. You know, how dumb could you be believing those things? Don't you know? And then you can fill in the blanks. Don't you know science? Don't you know theory? Don't you know higher education? Don't you know criti- critical theory? Don't you know? Don't you know? And there you are going, oh, I, just, I just know. I was blind, but now I see. I don't know how you can talk me out of that because I was blind, man. I know God's power is real. I have a relationship with him. They go, how do you know? Because, you know, I've been in some major trials and God has been faithful. I've I've got a real faith. I don't need your validity that I have a real faith. God has validated my faith. And in case I ever doubt it, he allows another trial to come into my life. So I'll cry out to him and I'll trust him. And I'll say, God, I love you. And I'm running to you and I'm pressing in. And we see the things happening. I'm not enjoying it. I don't like seeing it. And I'm not personally looking forward to more in one respect. But I'm, not also, I'm also not blind to the direction our country's going, the government. So you guys, as the nation turns left, and as the nation turns right, goes off track, you've got to know that you believe and why you believe it. You've got to be strong and be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you. In gentleness, not murmuring and complaining. That's going to get you nowhere. No doors are open through murmuring and complaining. But through gentleness and love and compassion, doors are wide open. Wide open. People are hurting. They're going through it, man. They're struggling. They're fearful. And when they look to the church, they come in here. They come to a service right now. 
You might be here right now, listening. You might, listen, you might be the person I'm describing. I don't know your name yet. And you came in this building, you came on this station, you watched online because you want to hear hope. And I'm here to declare to you that Jesus Christ is the hope of your life. That he died for your sins. For your sins. Mine. And he can rescue you from all that you're in and all that you're wrestling with. I don't want you to trust in man. I don't want you to trust in some political system. I don't want you to trust in your bank account or your education. I don't want you to trust even in your Bible knowledge. I want you to trust in the Lord. I want you to live for Him. I want you to love Him. Why? Because He first loved you. I want you to know that the end is not the crisis. The end is eternity. That even the things that we get to enjoy now are very temporary. The Spirit of Christ was speaking even back in the Old Testament about the saving power of God. Inspiring the Scriptures. They didn't have the whole picture. We know now. They didn't see it all. We get to see it. How much more does that affirm our faith? With testimony after testimony. Even Peter, if you want to switch, switch over to 2 Peter chapter 1, even in Peter's second letter, he had to say this, because it was already happening. These accusations were already coming, where he said, I just want you guys to know, we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were already accusing them of following fairy tales and fables in the first century. And Jesus hung out with the guy for three years. Oh, that's not true. What are you talking about? All I know is I was blind and now I see. What, what do you mean? You weren't there. You don't know the old Ed. But a lot of people do. And they can testify. But we don't need any of those witnesses to testify. I was there. And I know God saved my soul and changed my life and set in course, set in motion the direction of my entire family, both backwards and forwards. Not because of any good deed I did, but because of the degree of how lost I was. Lost. Absolutely gone. And could it be today that the trouble in your life is God's tool to drive you to Christ? Could it be today the inconvenience is to drive you to Christ? Could it be today the hardship is to drive you to Christ? Maybe you've always relied upon yourself and maybe you've always relied upon your resources and your strengths and your smarts because, you know, you're super smart. Or maybe you were born into a family that always had money. And so you've, done, you've just relied on that. Maybe you've had all of these things and you just know even now that they bring no hope, no lasting. There's no inexpressible joy. Maybe a little bit of happiness for 365 days. A little bit of happiness, great, but not inexpressible joy. Oh, maybe a little bit of spotlight and, you know, the cameras are on you for a little while, but not glory. No, not glory in the presence of God. The kind of glory that causes a person to fall down on their face and say, holy, holy, like, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. I, I don't, I, I can't handle what I'm seeing and experience. You don't get that in the world. 
And could it just be that the trial that you are facing, the trial that our country is facing, the trial that our world is facing, is God's tool to draw you to himself so that finally you'll surrender. That's what Peter's saying here. Like, the end is not now. The end is eternity. And the guys that came before us, they want to experience what you have. And the angels, they're tripping out on you. They just don't understand it. I'm sure there's going to be some testimonies of angels like they just don't understand how, how blessed you are, what benefits you have in Christ, what the new covenant has brought to you, and you're doing nothing with it. Nothing. Even here at Calvary Chapel, nothing. Instead, many are taking the gift of the new covenant and murmuring and complaining and not shining a light. And, and the angels, I'm sure, is like, I don't get it. I know as a pastor, there are times where I say, I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, I do theologically. I understand the flesh. I have my own flesh. I understand the weakness. I, I, I mean, in that sense, I understand. But in many other ways, I don't understand the, all the division. I don't get it. I don't understand how many people putting their hope in man when the Bible couldn't be clearer. The Bible couldn't be clearer that our hope is not in man. But so many, it's hope in man, hope in man, hope in man, hope in man. No, God has for you something greater. Genuineness of faith. Joy inexpressible. This time of full of glory. I mean, you think to have so much joy and you can't even explain it. Same thing, same idea, right? When you have a peace that passes all understanding. Like everything's all around you, swirling around, and you just got that solid, steady peace. And then people are asking you, what is wrong? If I was you, I'd be freaking out right now. And that's the open door, right? It's like, well, let me tell you why I'm not freaking out. I have a God in heaven that loves me, who takes care of me. He's responsible for my life. Yeah, but you know, the bill's coming due next month. I, I know, I know the bill's coming due. But my Bible, my God says that he's going to provide for all of my needs. So he told me not to worry about tomorrow. He said, if I pray to him and I lay my anxieties and worries in him, well, you get anxious and worry? Oh, yeah. How do you think I get peace? I take my anxiety and my worry to the God that I trust. Well, why did you do that? Because the Bible tells me to. <laughs> it says, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will do what? Guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, how you're thinking, in Christ Jesus. And this is our time to shine, church. This is it. This is our time to shine. Oh, it doesn't even have to be this present crisis. You're alive right now. Anybody that's alive, say amen. amen. This is your time to shine. You're alive. And we go forth with the gospel because the end is not now. The end is eternity. And we're going to be busy about the Father's business. Amen.
Well, we've been in the book of First Peter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. You can hear this message again when you visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember, this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And if you just like to make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Hey, thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into 1 Peter tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.